PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Episode 450 begins now, you Cretans. That's right. All my crespity so Cretans. I've never given you guys a name. How non-egotistical of me. That's weird. Welcome to Cinema Crespity. So I'm your host, I, Chris Crespo. You are the Cretans. I was about to say, I mean, you, you named your podcast after yourself. I got That's my face. They got my face on it. They got my face on it. Well, most people name usually. If it's personality based, they want to name the show after themselves. I, I couldn't just be like the movie show because <laughs> at that point, there's already like a thousand movie shows. How would I differentiate myself from all the other bullshit movie podcasts? Well, it's my bullshit. It's your bullshit movie podcast. Yeah, so that's why I put my name in it. Yeah. I did think about that. Yeah. Name or no name. And uh, you know what? The only difference between this bullshit podcast and all the rest of them? It's me. Yeah. And, and you. Yeah. And us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and them. It's it's a bad name, but still, I'm sticking to it's it. Awful. You know, it's it was uh, a poor choice over a long time ago. It, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> but, uh, 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 you know, if you do something long enough, then just people get used to it, and then and then they almost become expecting. And then when it's gone, like what? Or you change it, you're like nope. Even though it's awful. Even though it's awful, guys. I'm bumming it down just a little bit. There. <laughs> Welcome to the shoe. Um, I don't know about Cretans. I'm gonna I'm gonna sleep on that one. Creepies, my creepy Crespos. Ugh. None of these are. Working. I mean, if that was if you, if it, if this was like a horror movie themed podcast, oh, then man. that then that would work. You are so right. That should would we, work. 450 episodes in. Should we? <laughs> no. Quick, quick change horror movie podcast. No. I mean, un, un, unless you just want to drop me and have Bill as your co-host. Cause ah. I'm, not, I'm not a I'm not a horror guy. First off, Zoom recording. Ugh. Second, <laughs> he's so busy. You know, he's always like, oh god. To go to Plattsburgh for two weeks this week to shoot a shoot a convention. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think he's trying to expatriate right now. Is he? Probably, I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> like, I'm going to Finland, <laughs> Canada. Uh, I believe Canada's the one. In. <laughs> they may want Courtney, but they don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way that works. We can say these things. He doesn't listen. Uh, but we will have episode or edition 70 of Billy Dee's Death of the Movies at the half, where he's going to talk about the movie Jacob's Wife, which is a, a horror film. So it's right See, in line with our, yeah. our rebrand. Yeah. That's great. Oh, phone. No. RF. Static. Um, so, yes, we're, we're only doing horror movies now. I went and no. saw The Night House, <laughs> uh, which is a horror movie. It's, um, it's Rebecca Hall. And uh, of all the movies that came out this weekend, it's the only one with like a plus 80 Rotten Tomatoes score. Okay. And I, was, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to check this thing out. <laughs> because I remember seeing the trailers a few times and no. be like, this movie looks up. I don't even know what this Absurd. movie is supposed to be. Yeah. Like, what's happening? Is this even a real movie? It seemed very fake and dumb. No. Um, and then, to my surprise, the Rotten Tomatoes score is decent. The reviews are good. All right, let me check this thing out. Let me see what's and? going on. It's not bad. It's got something going on. Uh, I like the way it, it like the, because it does have a supernatural thing. It's about a woman who, right in the beginning of the movie, her wife, her husband has committed to suicides. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and she is now just living alone in the home that he built because he's some sort of architecture weirdo. Ugh. And uh, it's a, it's like a lake house sort of thing. Very nice modern mm-hmm. home. And uh, almost right away, she starts experiencing weird things like sounds around the house. And then she comes to think that maybe the house is being haunted by, by his presence, perhaps. Starts snooping around and like, oh, he has some sort of secret life now that I got to figure out, you know. So yeah. it's that type of movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the more she figures out, the weirder things start happening around her. And then also, they thread throughout the movie pretty well. Um, is she just like crazy, sleep deprived? <laughs> <laughs> crazy is like really, a simplification, but I yes, really, I, re- I really do like the whole modern horror mental health aspect. Yes, it is very much like a mental health thing, where totally. like. Where the, like people are experiencing these horrific, awful things, and everyone's mm. just like, "I think you should take Prozac." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's slowly losing grip with reality, and people are like, "We think you should relax, take a step." Stay with us for a while. Let us help you. And then she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in a minute. Let me just go run off over here and do this crazy thing and discover more craziness. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. It's got like good atmosphere, good mood to it. Um, Rebecca Hall is a good actress, so it's a, she's good to like center the whole thing. And then uh, like when it got to the end and the explanations, whatever, it was telling me what was happening. I was actually pretty, pretty satisfied. I think uh, even Drew, you would have liked how what was sort of going on at the end. They're like, oh, that's kind of... That this movie goes Ancient Indian burial ground? No, but there is like, I mean, at one part she's like reading a book about occult arts and stuff. And like, she, it's weirdly she doesn't pause to be like, occult arts or like dark arts. <laughs> she's just like right away reading it. And I'm like, you're not even pausing to like look at what you're reading. She just reads it. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't want to say there's like a, it's not a twist. Um, but just the way that it all pans out and the way it happens at the end. I was like, oh, okay. All right. When it ended, I was like, all right. Okay, I see you, Nighthouse. I see you, movie. Not bad for sure. When it hits streaming, like you know, it's one check that it people out. should check out. Yeah. Not necessarily around to see in a the theater, although it does have good. It relies heavily on the sound design. Yeah, so it's a lot of like because she's by herself yeah. in this house in the middle of the woods. Well, I mean, who, who so who doesn't have surround sound these days? Yeah, but I mean, this movie is loud as fuck. <laughs> when it's like it's quiet, you do all the crickets and stuff, and it's just like night sounds. Then all of a sudden, there's a banging or like an alarm goes off or something. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of bracing yourself for some sort of loud sound. Uh, I got I got it a couple times. If I, if I had a bucket of popcorn, it would have been all over the place. Yeah. That, 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 I always think it's a funny visual yeah. to to try to pull off in a the theater. Nighthouse, not bad. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Cool. So. Uh, we did go to movie theater to see The Protégé. Yes. The, pro- the Protégé. The Protégé. The Protégé. <laughs> um, Protégé's attaché case. <laughs> did you have an attaché case? I don't know, maybe. It would have been cool if the, whole, if the McGuffin movie was like was an attaché. Attaché. At, an attaché? Yeah, because the accents. The Protégé's attaché. The Protégé attaché. Oh, my God. The new Irish wrist watch. <laughs> um, Maggie Q. I like this lady. She's fine. She's good. She should be in more movies. She needs to get off TV and be in more movies. Oh, she, she's from television? Yes. Okay. She's been in a bunch of TV. Gotcha. Apparently, she was... I have a, not seen her TV. Right, because it's mostly network TV, I okay. think, like NBC, but it's all, it leans like action TV. She does oh, that okay. kind of stuff. So she's like... Uh, what's her face? Uh, yes, exactly. The, what's uh, her face? The, uh, <laughs> Jennifer Gardner. Jennifer, yes. Yeah. I was With say. Alias and stuff like uh-huh. that. Yeah. And then she went on to... Mm-hmm. Then she did Electra. <sighs> They tried. They tried. <laughs> it was so bad. 
Um, the she was in Mission Impossible Trois. Okay. I think, and then uh, like after that one, they kept trying to bring her back, like f- like four, five, and six, and her TV commitments kept her from being able to be in any of those Mission Impossible movies. Okay. So they were always kept trying to bring her no. back in because they already had her once. But uh, that's part of the reason why. Same thing happened to Paula Patton because she was in the fourth one. She couldn't come back for the fifth one because of scheduling and contract issues. That's how Rebecca Ferguson even got the, no. the in the door to begin with. He you know she's holding on to that thing. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> like a pit bull. Good money. Yeah, good money, good exposure. It's getting all these other roles. Yeah. We saw her in that movie. You watch Reminiscence, right? Yeah. We saw you watch her in Reminiscence at home. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, artist. Mean, she's in Dune. God damn, she's, <laughs> she's, the, she's the mom. She's like, what a big character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's actually going to have a hell of a year here. I mean, I she was in, uh, she was in the Bond movie? Um, no. no. That's no, Leah right. Mission Impossible. Uh, yeah, Mission Impossible. She's great in Doctor Sleep. Yeah. As Rose the Hat. Mm-hmm. Terrible name. Great character. Mm-hmm. The protege, Maggie Q, is the protege of big old fat Samuel Jackson. Yeah. 70, fat Jack. He's 70-something years old. He's fine. Yeah. He's obviously now at the point where he's like, you know what? I'm I don't not... care anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I am I am. Pef- do, do, this do, is my health. The, the, this is the number of zeros in my bank account. Yes. This is how. This is my age. Yes. I care not. I'm good now. <laughs> and I can use these zeros to get these doctors to give me all the drugs I need to just keep, keep. Me going for a little while longer mm-hmm. in the best in the best shape possible. Uh, yeah, because he ain't trying to. It's, it's very much a dad movie. When it's, I mean, yeah, when well, it's like look at this old fat guy still like kicking pew, ass. Pew, pew. Yeah, and look at this, look at this old guy who we're gonna turn young by just putting him um, <laughs> with a mustache. Yeah, they did. I do like that they give him a mustache and then a big like poncho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's fine. That's, that it works. It's it's well sixty million dollar movie. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, whatever what it costs, I don't know. It's probably it's probably like a mid budget movie like that, right? So uh, he's like the old man, yeah. And then it's like uh, I have my hot young assistant who uh, we go on missions together, and and then she, I get the fuck out of here with this dad wish fulfillment stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. It's very funny. Yeah. We need movies like this. It feels very much from the nineties. This movie, right? Like this could have starred. Uh, Stallone aged up. <laughs> they would actually would if I was old but still pretty fit. <laughs> yeah, Sly, your your character needs to be sure. fit again. All right, cool, absolutely. Um, instead, it's Michael Keaton, right? Who I mm-hmm. guess he's wow. Is he in his sixties? I don't know. Right, his stunt guy was really good though. His <laughs> <It's> very <laughs> very visible stunt guy. I'm sorry. I mean. It was fun watching Michael Keaton in an action movie. Yes. But I do not believe the fight scenes. Not for one second. <laughs> when, when he's going to be Batman, he's going to have the cowl. It's cool. We'll be able yeah, to hide totally fine. Very, very easily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, when it when it just cuts well, to some when, other, he's, when it comes to some other guy with a bigger head of hair. And when he's and when he's Batman again, like I'm assuming like he's got all sorts of like robotic helpers and he's on all sorts of fucking amphetamines because oh, that, he's old man Batman. That, that's how that's old true. man Batman continues the fight. That's true. <laughs> Through we're, robotics and amphetamines. We're just watching <laughs> some guy who he works for uh, another guy. That's all he yeah. is. But he can hold his own yes, against like assassins yeah. and uh-huh. shit. Um, those fight scenes were all fine. Yeah. I thought it was. I think it's a pretty good, like, uh, sort of mediocre, middle of the road. Yeah. Surprised it wasn't just like a straight to Amazon type movie. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah. That, that type of thing. Yeah. This this would have been on the upper end of the Amazon and uh, Netflix movies. Yeah. If this if came it out, had come out. If this came out as a Netflix movie. I'd be like, 
have you guys seen the protege? <laughs> exactly. It's pretty, pretty good, actually. <laughs> and then I look at the credit. Oh, they got Martin Campbell to do this. No wonder. Wow. It's like, I'm surprised. At that point, I'd be like, I'm surprised this didn't come out in theaters. No. <laughs> but now I've seen that theater. I'm like, oh, this could have just been straight to, yeah. straight yeah, to streaming, I, I think. It, it, it definitely straddles that line. I guess so. It's it's um, She's great in it. Michael Keaton's fun. It's soaked in neon because it's the John Wick producers. Yeah. It's, so they they way, found a style and they're like, you know what? No, we're sticking with this. That's the way things are now. <laughs> we say neon. It's really LED, right? Yeah. It's just neon coloring. Yes. But it's uh, LED has really changed the game in terms of, uh, I mean, just look around you now. Yeah, no, exactly. It, yeah. Super cheap, long-lasting lighting that's like very effective. Uh, and you and, can just soak it in fun colors. And Yeah. It can change colors so many ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. So yeah, this one does have like a cool, sexy feel to it, you know. Um, oh, of course, it's about a female assassin female. from the, and, and this movie's from the nineties. So yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, and uh, if it was if it was really from the nineties, Maggie cute, we, we would have gotten at least a titty shot during the sex scene. Someone's titty. Well, we got we did get titties in this. We did get titties in this, yeah. but it was random titties, no. though, real quick. But they were, like, incidentals. That felt 90s. Like, yeah, incidental titties. You gotta, throw, <laughs> you gotta throw tits in the movie. You know, the hey, kids ain't gonna want to see it. All right. That's the old cigar-chomping producer at the end of the boardroom. We got on the script notes. All right, page 10. I haven't seen a tit in the screenplay yet. <laughs> get the tits in there, Martin. I'm gonna be pissed if there's no tits in there. <laughs> He's gonna cough his, puts out a cigar and a pizza and a slice of pizza. I, I can picture it in my mind. Yeah, slice of pizza, that's weird. Yeah, plus he's a gross, fat, disgusting barfo, this producer, <laughs> who's like, get the tits in the movie, Martin. <laughs> and it's 2021, there should have been a dick in there, too. When that one guy, yeah. when that crime lord comes out of the bathroom, like it would have been a power mover and it would come out of there. Even with like a little dick. Come yeah, out of there, yeah, or, yeah, like, just, just, just naked. Just flaccid penis. Like, blah, 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 <laughs> floppy thing. Yeah. Like, look at this. This guy's got <laughs> balls. Like, literally, look at him. He has balls. Incredible. Uh, we just want nudity equity. That's all. Because if we get nudity equity, that means we get some more tits. I want to see more tits. <laughs> I put up with some dicks. I watch porn. I put. I already put up with dicks. I'm, to see tits. I'm okay with dicks just to get tits. I'm fine with dicks just to get tits. Dicks for tits. Dicks for is, that, tits. is that what you're saying? That's my new radio. Uh, you know, you do like uh, ca- cash for guns. I'm doing dicks for tits. How like, does that work? Well, okay. So, dude, show up. You show us your dicks, and then we have a bunch of ladies here, then they'll flash you your tits. I don't think that's. I don't, I don't think, think. I don't think it's gonna work out for I, anyone. Actually, I don't think, I don't think, no, no, no. I think those ladies are gonna be horribly disappointed. Yeah, they're gonna see a bunch of disappointing dicks. Yeah, and then and then those dudes are just gonna get to see tits. They dudes still win in this one. God damn it! <laughs> what radio station's really cranking you off? Uh, oh, maybe we should do a PFT AM radio station. You can just buy time on AM radio. Yeah. And just throw stuff on there, and then we'll do. It'll be like a movie where we just like we get all crazy with it, and it's revolutionary because no one's paying attention to radio anymore. And uh, and like, have you guys heard this crazy? It'll be, it's almost like punk rock. Punk rock AM. Yeah, like man, these guys are doing crazy shit, and no one's stopping them. They're between the the, the Spanish religious station and the English religious station. <laughs> they're, they're, we're they're the anti-religious station. We're the anti-religious station. Praise Jesus! So, <laughs> so got it. it's F, it's AM radio. You, Still got to praise Jesus. Yeah, it's in the uh, the bylaws of AM radio. Of AM radio, okay. I, I read them once. Say so. it took a long time. The protege. Um, it's fine. I wonder if it was a book first. It feels like it was a book first, right? Yeah, probably like, a better book, like a James Patterson book. You know, <laughs> something you read on the yeah. beach real quick. 
or you get the the audible the audible version and it's read by like John Hamm or something. I don't know. It's a it's 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 it's, it's fine. That's all right. Would I put it on the fine scale? Would you put it on the fine scale? I'd give it a, uh, just a straight thumb sideways. Sideways thumb. It, I, it is neither up nor down. It is just pow. Wow. It, it is just right. That's it. Yeah, right, <laughs> right there. there. You go. Right, right sideways thumb sideways. You know what? Yeah, it's, it's a for sure sideways thumb movie. Um, it's like a broken hand. It's like, oh my god, why? It's it's, it's bent at the wrong angle. Well, it's sideways now. It's sideways. Um, the protege saw it in theaters same weekend. Reminiscence on Re- HBO Max. Re- remini, remini sense. Uh, HBO Max in theaters. And uh, this is this is a type of thing where the project was already sort of floating around, and it had like some directors were attached, and then Lisa Joy signed on. I guess it was almost like a we're between Westworld seasons. So no. I'm, I'm looking for something to do, make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll make I'll make this movie for you. And uh, so obviously she's the one who brought Thanda Th- Th- Newton. On board. Yeah, Tandy Newton. She yeah. had, she fixed her name. You remember that? I think we talked about that a while ago. Where, yeah, it used to be Tandy, but then she's like, she did this whole thing where it's like, no, I'm reclaiming my initial name because like you know immigration, yeah, they got yeah. all fucked up or anglicized or whatever. There's a W in there at the end. Oh. It, it's like Tandy. Okay, well, so, so how's somebody tell me how to pronounce that's that? That's what shit. I'm waiting for. <laughs> Please, I'm waiting for someone to introduce her on a YouTube video. Please, so somebody can, pronounce that for those me. Those are hard to find sometimes. How may Colesera, Jaume Colesera, director of Jungle Cruise and Black Adam. I finally, finally found the video. Um, that's why she's in there, though, because you yeah. know she's coming from Westworld. Well, that and uh, the and the other lady, the other lady. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a couple of Westworld regs Alum, in there. Alum. That's fun. No. That's for sure fun. Uh, it's uh, I thought it was okay. It was fine. Yeah. Once again, it's one of these sideways thumbs. It's it, I, it's I, a for sure sideways thumb. I I, I enjoyed the world building. Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the world building was fun. I like, yeah, the spill zone. Yeah. It's for sure, it's like, we'll open our business in the spill zone. It, right, it's cheap here. Well, of course mm-hmm. it's cheap. It's gonna, it's because gonna it's going gonna, it. to gonna flood here in like two days. <laughs> it's going to be the first thing to flood. Yeah. Um, yeah, but rent is cheap. We can make our business work here in the meantime. You know, I, yeah, I enjoyed that. The Barons. and felt a little heavy-handed, too, obviously. Well, yeah, of course. But, I mean, you know, it's like a world building. That's what the genre's for. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's sci-fi. Downtown Miami. Did they put a year on it? No. No, it was just futuristic, near, just, near future. Uh, obviously, it's yeah, it's got to be near future. It can't be that near future because they've have they've also show a city that's built infrastructure to like keep the water back. Yeah, and, well, we know. haven't figured that out. Yeah, they've given. I up. mean, maybe, maybe the Dutch have, but we have the Dutch, <laughs> the Dutch, and the uh, and like the idea of like downtown Miami is like it's the buildings are underwater up to like floor five or six yeah, or something. Like but it. but above that, they're still like operational and no. people are living them and stuff. Like, I don't think that, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's structurally sound. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. To do I, do I, don't, anything. I don't know how you're getting your electricity over there. That right? sounds dangerous. Yeah, that seems you guys, have, have you figured any of that out? Someone figured that out. Surely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Hugh Jackman. Doing his Hugh Jackman thing. I like Hugh Jackman, right? He's fine. Uh, we already mentioned Rebecca Ferguson. Yep. She's a good femme fatale mm-hmm. type character. The lady with the secrets or whatever. Yeah. You know, she always does that well. What's this guy's name? Curtis? Cliff Curtis? Curtis Smith? Cliff Curtis Smith? You know what I'm talking about? Who? The guy who was um, with the burn scars. Oh, yeah. I've seen He's been in a... He's always like the side guy in all these movies, but he's really good. He's always a side guy. He's always good. He's always good, and he's always 
a different ethnicity in everything, mm-hmm. every goddamn movie he does. He was a Samoan in Hobbs and Shaw. He's played English. He's played uh, Arab of different sorts. He's played... Spanish, I'm sure. Yes, 100%. He's been like, senor, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you can't, you can't well, do that. It's because he's got that vaguely brown <laughs> olive skin. He's vaguely brown. <laughs> and olive. Man. Also olive, that's how he gets the, the all the Mediterranean rolls. All the spicy Mediterranean rolls. Yeah. The fiery Mediterraneans. He can play an Italian so. for a Sicilian of some sort. All of it, dude. He can, yeah. He can pass, he's, he can pass for anything except Anglo. Because he's tan. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he's tan. Because he's tan. If he stays out of the sun for a while, then he can play like an erudite, erudite Englishman. What's his name? God damn it. Curtis, I think. Cliff Curtis, I believe his name is. Which then doesn't help because his last name's like Curtis. <laughs> what? <coughs> Was that your slave family name? Come on. What's your real name? Freeman? Is a Freeman now? Um, good actors. Good actors. Yeah. Fine movie. You know what? I, this, is what I, this is what I tweeted. The uh, It takes a while to sort of get going. Yeah. Like it drops you in. And it meanders you with information before you finally figure out what's actually yeah, happening, it's, right? I mean, it's an old school detective thing. What guy's not a detective? It's like a home. Yeah, it's a Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> what if Humphrey Bogart was running some sort of memory? Uh, and it's not by future. Yeah. What, what if? What if? Uh, uh, what's Ray Chandler's character? God damn it, the um, uh, Marlowe. What if Philip Marlowe, instead of being a private eye, was running Total Recall? Yeah, in, exactly. In, in sunken Miami. Yeah. In soggy Miami. Man, this movie is soggy. As yeah, well. yeah, it's lots of water. Um, but it takes. It's time to get going. And then what's it got going on? I, I, I gave it a, huh, okay. Give it one of those. Uh, and then it started getting into the ending. And it takes, <laughs> it takes a while. And it turns. <laughs> and it's a long way. And then it gets there. And then, and then like, it, hmm. I mean, for me, like, we, we got there. And I was like, and I was like, okay, is this the end? Of the- oh, wait, there's still more movie. What's going on Yeah, sure, too. <laughs> then, then it kept going for like another 10 minutes. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> and then they gave you like a little thing. That what is it? Euripides, Euripides shorts. Was the uh, the little sort of Greek story? Was it a Greek story he was telling? And she was like, "Stop the story halfway so we don't get the oh. bad ending." And it's about like making a deal with the devil to free uh, a loved one from hell. And the devil is like, "You can go, but don't turn back." That whole thing. Uh, and then I look at the poster later, and on the poster, tagline on the posters, don't look back. And I was like, oh, that's actually a pretty big, then thematic thing for this movie. Yeah. Why is it in the last five minutes of the movie then? I feel like we should have been telling this. This should be like the beginning of the movie, maybe. You know, emphasize your theme. When you write a, so when you write an essay, <laughs> usually you want to set up the theme. Essay writing 101. Essay writing 101. When you want to tell, get a point across, the first thing you do is, well, this, and, and this is what I want to say in their first couple of sentences, and then this is how I'm going to back it up. And then you got your your body of your essays. So we're going to use MLA, proper MLA format. Thank you so much. <laughs> just, for, just for my peace of mind, I, this, <laughs> this is what I need. Um, it's, it's just weird to be like to bury the lead in that way. Like, oh, that's what this movie's about. You know what else did that fucking that Steven Soderbergh movie? No sudden move. Where it's this whole movie about these criminals running around doing all this shit. And at the very end of it, there's like this. I can't remember what it was, but there's like text on the screen about like racial inequality yeah. in the 60s or something. Like, oh, that's what this movie was about. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, really? That's what I'm supposed to be paying attention to? I think he kind of blew that one. So <laughs> I was just having a good time watching Benicio the Toro be a dickhead. Yeah. And we're weird masks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those masks were fucking crazy. They were like Quentin Tarantino's KKK mask in Django. Yeah. They're like, these are goofy. I can't take these seriously at all. Um, good Halloween costume, if anyone saw that movie, which he didn't. So, bad Halloween costume. <laughs> Never mind. 
Never mind. Reminiscence. Fine. That was dumb. Two eyes on the fine scale for me. I like the production design. Uh, It's ambitious. It's Lisa Joy's first movie. Um, I'm like... I think it would have I'm looking forward to her next one. Know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think... I, I almost think this could have this story could have worked better in like episodic form, where you give it more time, more time to drag stuff out, make things weirder, really explore the world, you know. And since you're also spending so much time in memories, quote memories, yeah, you could spend more time in those memories and why they're important and stuff. Um, it feels like a much much of the movie ends up being a montage, and movies are just montages of scenes technically, but mm. like to have a character go through. Memory to memory to memory. Then it's just and then even the double memory, the memory of the memory. So, so <laughs> now we're incepting it, right? Now yeah. we're going in uh-huh. deep, double twice, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah it would have worked better, I think, episodically, probably, for sure. Uh, but in, in any case... But still, uh, I, I give it one eye on the fine scale. One eye on the fine scale. I'll give, it, I'll give it two eyes. Uh, in any case, I just want to see what Lisa Joy does next outside of like what whatever movie she does next. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I want to know if, she, if she's a sci-fi chick. If, this, if she's just gonna do weird sci-fi the whole time, yeah, just like Westworld no. and this and stuff like that, like that's her, that's her bag. Niche, yeah, which I'm totally fine with. Hell yeah, baby. Um, so those those are uh, the movies I watched. Uh, episode two of What If? I did not. Oh, you didn't? No, it's fine. It's good. Not I. Yeah, I'm surprised actually. I I think I enjoyed the first one more. The first one more. Well, for I mean, I saw reason. what it was. It's uh, what if T'Challa becomes Star, Star Lord. Lord? And I'm right? like, for some reason, like that doesn't. It was me. You know, for some reason, the uh, uh, Peggy Carter, right? That's right. Peggy Carter as Captain America. I, was like, I don't give a shit. But then I was like, oh, it's one episode. It was good. And then when I watched this one, maybe because I was looking for it a little bit more, I was like, yeah, it's, it's it's fine. It's good. I enjoyed it. But it didn't. For some reason, parts of it didn't hit as hard. Um. There's uh, most names, like named actors, come back for it. Even for small parts, there's this weird thing though where um, uh, Kurt Russell's in the in the credits. I'm like, oh shit, he goes up in this bitch, uh, and then he's he's literally in the last scene delivering the last line of the episode, and it's one line of dialogue. And but I'm still, but I'm like, did they actually record that for this episode, or did they? Is that a toss away, or did they? Is that actually from the movie? Yes, like did they just? Uh, it's a deleted scene from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two no. or some shit. Um, or maybe it's just a straight from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yeah, they just yeah just clipped it, mm-hmm. and then we're, and now we got to give him credit in the beginning. Kurt Russell. Uh, they didn't get um, Dave Bautista for Drax, but then Drax only has like. He has actually two or three lines. He has more lines than Kurt Russell weird. does, which is weird. But it's also a quick scene, and then he's gone. He's just like a bartender in the scene. He's not part of... So the idea of this episode is there ain't even no Guardians of the Galaxy because the Ravagers end up being good guys because T'Challa is such a good person. Even when they yank him uh, as a kid... He infects them with goodness. He infects goodness. them with goodness. So they, they just go around like helping, helping. people. Yeah, and That sounds kind of lame. <laughs> it, it, it's, no, it's cute. It's funny. Um, I... There's some funny character flips and things, yeah. and it's good. The animation's fun. Is Michael Rooker back? M- Michael Rooker's back. Good. Yeah, he's back. But like I said, most people are back. And it's Bozeman's last performance. Like, oh, okay. Of, of anything. I was wondering. Yep. It's the last Bozeman anything. Um, and, and it's, and it's, I mean, it's just a vocal performance, it's obviously, still. but it's him, it's, and it's good. It's good. It's a good episode. It's worth watching, for sure. 
Um, I'm almost done with brand new cherry flavor on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I have one episode left to go. I I fell asleep at the end of like the second to last episode. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep at the end. It's like fucking. I'm just gonna go to bed. Mm. It's like midnight. And I'm an old man. Um, it's. I mean, obviously, if I'm about to finish it, I, yeah, I'm enjoying you, yeah, you it. Like it's it. good. I like it. Also, it's limited series, so I know I'll just watch it. And then there's nothing to. I'm, right. not, I'm not committing to anything else after this. Yeah. Uh. They go there with some of the Cronenberg stuff, which I appreciate. Okay. Episode five, I think. Um, a little little video dromy existency in that um, his Cronenberg's penchant for trying to show penetration in movies that's not penises and vaginas, no. but it's very much <laughs> like oh, that's supposed to be a penis. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, James Woods fucks his stomach vagina with with his with his gun. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turns his hand to the weird handgun thing. Yeah, and then the handgun thing, <laughs> all that, the fleshy thing, the flesh, the flesh, the new flesh. Um, and then it existens, um, uh, the game ports. Um, the uh, they make what's her name? Jennifer Jason Lee has to like like lick her the game port <laughs> and pop it into into Jude Law's uh, his spinal thing, and it's very sexual, very flesh colored. Um, in this show, uh, this lady, uh, fucking Battle Angel Alita, she gets like a, a rash on her side that turns into a open festering wound, which then turns into like sort of a channel. <laughs> and then she, vagina. and then she's like, she starts fingers like, oh, what is this? But then she's like, oh, that kind of feels good. Oh, and then, um, and then she straight up like just fingers her side of vagina, oh. and then she, she's dating this dude, sort of seeing this guy, and uh, does he get, go for the side of vagina? He fingers it. <laughs> And then fists it, and, and she's into it. And it's, this scene's going. He's, fist, he's fisting <laughs> her side, side vagina. vagina, and then they plop onto the bed. Um, and then I can't recall. I blacked out. Um, but I think <laughs> I think it doesn't just fade. I don't think that, they don't show him fucking the side vagina. Yeah, but, but it's assumed. I mean, he straight up to the wrist was like pumping, pumping <laughs> the side of her, <laughs> and, and then she was like, oh, so like uh, yeah. in ecstasy over it. Um, it's interesting, and then there's a reason for the side vagina yeah. too. Which, when you get the the purpose for it, you're like oh, and then she calls it out, and then the witch is like, "Well, this is supposed to help you." So I was like, "Wow, they went, they really went there yeah. for this one, man. It's pretty, it's pretty wild shit." So uh, looking forward to this last episode, seeing how it all wraps up. I'm sure it's gonna be gross and gory and fun. Yeah. It's it's a fun show. I enjoyed it. Brand new cherry flavor on Netflix. If you're looking for that kind of weirdo stuff, it's pretty good. Um, all right, Drew, what you got for me, buddy? Uh, so I watched Beckett on Netflix. Yes, you said you were going to watch yeah. it? Yeah. I watched it. Well, tell it me about it, boring. buddy. Boring. <laughs> oh, just boring? It's boring. That's it's the worst thing like, to tell me about a movie. It's supposed to be, like, this, like, political action thriller thing. Yeah. It just, like, it just fails. What's, on... it, what's it about? Who's Beckett? He's just a guy. John David Washington. Yeah. But he looks like a... He's a guy who gets caught up in, like, some politics. Political bullshit. <laughs> Some espionage type thing. Yeah, but it's like it, he's he's not like trained at all, and he's not even like he he doesn't even know that he's embroiled in anything until like three quarters into the movie. He's just running from people. And he's like, "Why are they shooting at me?" What the, really? Yeah, it's that, fucking weird, man. That's a, that doesn't sound good. No, it's boring. Boring. Yeah. That's the worst thing your movie can be. It's a boring movie. Entertain me, make no. make me be like, oh, that was an interesting nope. thing, you know. Like reminiscence really didn't bore me. No. The protege didn't bore me. I was like, okay, let's see. I was, 
I was sort of ahead of the protege in terms of like plot plotting but and duh. quote twists and stuff because we've seen these type of movies so many times. Like when Robert Patrick showed up, I was like, what the fuck? But uh, boring. This could not describe any of the movies I saw no. this weekend. No, back then it was boring. Damn. So don't sucks. bother. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you saving me the, the hundo slot. Those hundo yeah. slots are valuable. Yeah, yeah. All right, what else? That, that was on Netflix. Yes. Yes, I know. It's, uh, it's a Netflix one. And then I watched a bunch of shit on Prime. All right, let's hear the Primes. I watched a documentary called The Poisoner's Handbook. The Poisoner's Handbook, and it's about the, uh, it's about the, the first medical examiner and like the birth of like forensic pathology, <laughs> in, in, in New York City in 1918, and it, and it basically started with these, uh, these these two guys and uh, like. They basically like wrote the book on this quote unquote new science that was coming out to help solve crimes. Talking about forensic science, yeah, forensic science, and and you know the birth of its credibility because like in the beginning, you know, people just didn't believe yeah. the science, yeah, because it was it was new and it was fresh, and, yeah, you know, science wasn't like a thing in 1918. Sure, <laughs> 1918. Uh, that's like the Alienist, right? Isn't that what that show is? Um, Daniel Bruhl's going around trying to solve crimes with like evidence no. and people are like what is this fucking crack exactly doing? <laughs> look we go out there with our guts we find some gypsies and we arrest them uh-huh. <laughs> exactly <Right? Yeah. laughs> where were you yesterday oh you can't speak English arrest them crime solved yeah. right no that's not how they do it they go for evidence <laughs> exactly but it's a documentary so it's about you know how it all really happened what is it like a talking head type of thing Ah uh, yes, and, uh, just interviewing t- people. No, it, uh, a mixture of talking heads and dramatic reinterpretations. You know? Sure, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, a- aka reenactments. Uh-huh. When you say reenactments, people are like, oh. "That <laughs> sounds boring." And then he got like, "No, no, actually, they're pretty good. Yeah. They're actually pretty." It was good. just, it was just super interesting. I didn't think it was going to be as interesting as it was. But you were oh, okay. Yeah, but it, you got, you got it, sucked it, into it. It was going to be background TV, and then yes. it turned into full-on TV. You were just watching it. Yeah. Okay, that's a prime one. Yeah. The Poisoner's Handbook. Yeah. That's a good title. All right. Also on Prime. Yes. Uh, another documentary. Yes. Uh, called Can't Stand Losing You, colon, Surviving the Police. Uh, it's uh, basically it's Andy Summers' take on his career with the police. Andy Summers being the, the guitarist. guitarist of the police, as well as going to say for the people at home. <laughs> um, okay, cool. All right, so an Andy Summers-centric police documentary. Yeah. Interesting. It was fun. Yeah. Um, was he like a, one of the main songwriters? I honestly don't no, know much Sting, of the history of Sting the, wrote is like it, everything. Is it Sting? Yeah. Was it Gordy? Yeah. Gordy did everything. Yeah. Uh, so he's just along for the ride. I, I mean, yes and no. Yeah, do me a favor, please. I mean, they all wrote. I mean, in the beginning, it was all Sting. Then, as you know, their careers went on, they wrote different stuff. Sure, yeah, blah, that blah, blah, this, blah, that. So that, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Does it focus on police stuff, or then like after the police was over, does it get into solo career? Or uh, well, like he didn't or? have a solo career. He, he didn't pull a Sting. He, he didn't do none of it. Not, not, no, those guys didn't. They were like, I have millions of dollars. I can do whatever I want. Oh, <laughs> must be so nice. Yeah, must be so nice. What, what, what did he do? Do you know? Did they say? Duh, or, or like did they a, just talk about police stuff? Well, it was all police stuff. Oh, okay. So it went up to the breakup. Yeah. And then it was like, and the police are reuniting. Like straight into that. So. Yeah. 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 Like 30 years later. Yeah. They're all old. Mm-hmm. Man. They're all fat except for Sting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not fat, but probably just thicker. Well, no. It, oh, the only one who got fat was the guitarist, Andy. Andy Summers. You sure got fat? Yeah. Good for you, He, he got Andy. a little chunky. Everybody else kind of kept it. Good for you. Well, Sting is like... Looks better than ever, the yeah, motherfucker. It's weird. <laughs> Tantric sex, man. That, that's a that's a gift. 
get get in on it, ladies. So that was fun. It was okay. interesting. Okay, cool, cool. Music documentaries are uh, interesting. And then I watched another music documentary after that. All right, called uh, Hired Guns, and it's basically the the wrecking crew of now. Oh, people were doing pop music now? Like the dozen people who write all the same songs? No, uh, y- yes and no. It's more like the the like 10 to 20 people who are like the hired guns around like the rock and pop music scene. Like this one guy, you know, like he's the guitarist for Alice Cooper and then he was the guitarist for Mandy Moore. And oh. now he's the guitarist for Five Finger Death Punch, like oh. stuff like that. that was weird. So, like, uh, you know, these people—they're just—they're just musicians trying to make some money in the world. Yeah, and they're like super talented studio musicians. Um, but they don't like the studio. They—they'd rather be on stage. So, you but know, they're working for people who are the real like popular people, you know, and then they're just like behind the scenes making it all work. Uh huh. It's basically like, or even in it's, front it's of like scenes. the greatest musicians that you've never heard of, right? Right. What was that documentary called? And you've heard all of their music. Yeah. There's a documentary called something like uh, 10 Feet from Stardom or something. And it's all about like all the background singers for like Aretha Franklin and shit like that. Yeah. Like all. It's a whole industry. They're all mega talented people. Yeah. 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 And they're just, they're looking at the spotlight right there. Like, oh, that could be me. But it never was them. It's never going to be you sometimes, you know? Sometimes you don't have it. Just because you're talented doesn't mean you have it. Don't gotta tell me. <laughs> just because you have it doesn't mean you're talented. And just because uh, you, you think you have both doesn't mean nothing. What am uh, I trying to say? So it was a good document? Yeah, it was good. Okay. I Hire, it. Hired guns. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming these are like an hour and a half, roughly. Ish. Yeah. Right. See, I think the hired guns was like 86 minutes. Ooh. Yeah. So. With credits. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good, good times. Uh, also on Prime, The Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah! <laughs> fucking Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas. Fuck yeah, killing man-eating lions in fucking Africa uh, while building a bridge. How's ha- has, has it watching it 2021, watching them uh, hunt lions? Does it hold, uh, hold water? I mean, so, yes and no. You can definitely tell the composite shots. Yeah. Because, like, the lions gotta kill people and, like, it's hard, to, it's hard to pull off in the movie. When it's hard you, to pull off in the movie when you can't have the lions actually kill anybody. If you're not going <laughs> to feed your extra set of lions, then you got to figure something else. Yeah. Out. So, but other than that, I mean, yeah, it was fine. Michael yeah. Douglas is a scummer. He's so he's so good. He's, he's, he's yeah. so good at that. Val um, Kilmer's got a bad Irish accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's having he was having a good time. No, I mean, I enjoyed the movie. It's like two hours long. That's so. what he did instead of um, Batman and Robin. He he was already better committed, choice. Yeah, he's already committed to that. And the Saint were his two movies, or oh, and uh, I don't know Doctor Moreau. Like it was that, that trio was happening right around the same time. It's an interesting trio. Yeah. Um, you watch like also the Valley documentary, mm-hmm. yeah. Got me nostalgic. Hell yeah! Because I was a fan of the movie the first couple times I saw it. Hell so. yeah! Uh, should people watch it? I don't recommend it for people who haven't seen it. I mean, yeah, dude. If you haven't seen The Ghost in the Darkness, you definitely should. I think so. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's a, one of those movies. It's a cool for whatever one. reason. Uh, and it's like that genre of the, um, <clears throat> the white explorers going into darkest Africa. And that yeah. Type of well, and it, and it's also uh, you know Val, Val Kilmer wasn't like the lead in a lot of movies. True. And this is this is pretty much his like Mike. My, is he the lead? Yeah, he is. Yeah. This is his movie. Yeah. And then Michael Douglas because he Michael Douglas only shows up for like the last half because he's the one he's the one who gets show, he's the hired gun who shows up yeah. right Val Kilmer's character is the one who's leading the expedition mm-hmm. and he's like we gotta do something about this guy he's not building a, he's not he's not leading an expedition he's building a bridge he's an engineer 
Who's building a bridge? Building a bridge. Someone's got to build the bridges. Someone's got to build the bridges. So I said, design those bridges. Yeah. And if lions be eating these people, it makes it hard to build a bridge. The lions are very anti-progress. Yeah. In this movie, the lions represent anti-progress. But it, I, I mean, it's a true. This is obviously, you know, not a documentary, but it is a true story. Yeah. Like the, these lions existed, and they killed probably like in 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 the movie. It makes it look like the lions killed like hundreds of people. Sure. And have been doing this for like you know, decades. Yeah, they're like an epidemic of lion yeah. murder. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, like maybe like twenty or thirty people died. <laughs> That's a lot but of still, people, though. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> what a horrible way to go, man! Yeah, getting eaten by fucking lions. Oh my god! Of all animals, to be eaten and killed by a lion, like big cats, mm-hmm. up there with some of the worst. Well, I sure. mean, it, as long as they kill you quick, like they're supposed to, because most most big cats, when you think like big cats, like you're thinking, you know, hacking and slashing and this, that, the other, and that's not the way they I'm, kill I'm, you. I'm thinking they suffocate my throat. you. They yeah, chomp, chomp them off. Yeah, throat. they chop on your throat and then they either crush your spine. Oh. Your neck right there, so yeah. death instantly, Ugh. or you fucking suffocate. So terrible. But either way, you know. Would you, you get rather? Quick. Would you rather die by a lion or by COVID nineteen? Death. That's that's <laughs> either door. Death is behind both doors. I guess lion. Lion quicker. No, this is quicker. Quicker. Yeah, me too. Definitely S- scarier. Way scarier, but but quicker. But less, less, yeah. much less prolonged. Uh-huh. COVID nineteen still scary, but much more prolonged. Oh yeah. And then for part of it, you're gonna be like in a medically induced coma intubator anyway, mm-hmm. having weird dreams about floating down rivers. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Decided. Also, lion death. Also on Prime. Uh, recently, they put out the I guess the final movie of the. Neon Genesis Evangelion reboot. Yes, I've been seeing straight up like a lot of ads and commercials well, for this thing. They've been pushing well, it. Well, because like in Japan, they kind of rebooted the series with movies. Yeah. So they, there's three movies, and the fourth one just came to America. And apparently, it's a prime exclusive for whatever reason. Oh, shit. Um, because of money, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and neon, neon, evangel- neon, neon evangelical. Genesis Evangelion. Neon Genesis Exodus <laughs> or Evangelical Christians has name recognition in terms of being like an anime in America. Yeah, there's well, not too not that many things that have like real broad recognition. There's for for whatever reason, there's a lot of Christian imagery in this show. So like, there's lots of crosses. They call things angel. You know, they're they they're call angels. things angels yeah. and magi's and this, yeah. that, the other, and blah blah blah. So yeah, it's fucking really strange. I've never really like understood everything that's going on. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, it's it's one of those <clears throat> Akira-like movies. Right. And shows where, like, some really cool, crazy, trippy-ass visuals, but, like, I, for, there's something being lost in translation. The symbolism behind it is being, uh, yeah, it's yeah. like, you're, you, you're over my head, guys. Yeah. Sorry. Uh-huh. You're working on a different level. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, so... Col- it could just be a cultural thing, too. So, uh, the reboot... Oh, when they rebooted it, they basically took the the show for all intents and purposes and squeezed that into like the first movie. Okay. So I didn't watch that. Okay. Because I watched the show twice. Uh, fucking the two movies before that, both of them. So I I watched Evangelion two point two two. You can in parentheses not advance and Evangelion three point three three. You can in parentheses not. Redo. What? Those are titles? Yes. See, look. <sighs> My God, yeah. Those are right, right for you. 2.2, 3.33. You can yeah. parentheses not redo. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, yeah. So oh way over my God. fucking head. That, that is ridiculous <laughs> shit. But I mean, in, in all reality, it's just, it's, it's, it's giant robots murdering the fuck out of each other. And they're fleshy robots. So it's like, Whoa. there's bone and blood and what? all sorts of weird fucking giant heads that explode. Like I said, Vera Akira E. That sounds cool. It is bonkers. Really beautiful, crazy animation. What if what if I just watch three point three three? I mean, you should just. I mean, can, if, I, can if, I just skip to that one? You could just watch the movies, like the one point one one two point two two three point three three, and then the the new movie that's one hundred and fifty six fucking minutes long. Jesus Christ! Uh, and and that's three point oh plus one point oh one. Huh? <laughs> Hang on, three point oh plus. 1.01. I think it's like the, the death of even. I don't even know. It's fucking. I'm, I'm going to watch it after the podcast. Man, so. and I thought the Fast and Furious titling was crazy. No, these people these people are insane and they make insane movies about insane things. Uh, the only the only downside of this show is the sexualization of children. Because these are all because oh. these, these are all high school kids. Yeah. Because so they put them into little outfits and the, the, the stereotypical uh-huh. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 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 Yeah. If you can get, if you can get past that, if you can overlook that part of the show, another cultural issue, another <laughs> yeah. cultural thing. Exactly. Mm. So not gonna yuck their yum, but guys, come on, Japan. Yeah. Get, get together. <laughs> it's weird. Less, more, more. Be, be cool, less creepy, please. More cool vending machines. Less cynical rape. Yeah, less cynical rape and, you know, fantasi- fantasizing about high school girls. It's yeah, you know, yeah, they're be cute, baby. Um, okay. But other than oh, that, shit. ultra-violent, fleshy robot Yeah, that's, that sounds cool, There's, That sounds cool. Some of the, man, some of the fucking visuals in this goddamn show. Shit. Fucking bonkers. All right. Okay. A lot of fun. I have to add it to the old list oh. of things that eventually get down on. Um, anything else? All right, that's a, that was a good, productive week for you there. Um, alrighty, guys, we are going to take that break that I mentioned, in which Billy D will hit us with Death at the Movies number seventy, in which he reviews the movie Jacob's Wife, and then we'll have a quick word from our sponsor afterwards, and we'll be back with the second half of the show. We have news, we have stories, we have stuff, we have segments. Uh, do those segments have intros? No. Didn't feel like doing it this week. But uh, we also have an, a Facebook comment. Oh. Trusa Cogmore. Okay. So we have that. Uh, but no emails. That's fine. Let you know what we have down the pike. That's the new thing we're doing that I'll forget to do next week. Okay, here we go. Watch a few movies. Take a few notes. Billy D's Death at the Movies. What's up, my dudes? I had to take a trip to Canada this week so I could activate my work permit. That's right. I'll be relocating to the Great White North shortly. I also got to see the new Barbara Crampton and Larry Fessenden movie, Jacob's Wife, directed by Travis Stevens. This is a story of Anne, wife of Jacob, small town minister. Anne is frustrated. She's stepped on constantly or ignored or taken for granted by her husband and those around her. Until she is bitten by a vampire during a business meeting with an old flame that almost becomes a tryst. Anne begins to change, and that's what makes this movie unique. It's a vampire film as an empowerment story. Now, it's no secret around here, I'm a huge Barbara Crampton and Larry Fessenden fan, and they have such great chemistry together, it's as if they've been married for years. But what would you expect from character acting powerhouses like them? True veterans of the craft. 
And when Anne begins to change, Jacob struggles believably because while he may be inconsiderate, he isn't an evil man or necessarily abusive. He's comfortable and stuck in his traditional mindset, but I do believe he loves his wife. And Crampton is so good in this. I love what she's been doing these last few years. She's cemented a legacy as a fearless and sexy performer with a range that makes her unique. I feel like Stevens and she work to make the character of Anne come to life, and Crampton proves it's never too late for a super dramatic goth phase. Jacob's wife isn't afraid to spill some blood either, and when the bodies start dropping, it gets real messy. My only real issue is sort of the look of the master vampire. It's kind of messy, but as a follow-up to the girl on the third floor, this is a home run. I love seeing a movie that isn't just 20-somethings playing teens or millennials with unrealistic lives. This is a real story about adults, made for adults, played by adults. It's never exploitive, it's mature. There is a moment where Anne and her old boyfriend are tempted to have an affair, but Anne pulls away and Tommy respects her decision. In a different kind of film, that may have gone some other way, but Jacob's wife isn't trying to traumatize the audience. I can't recommend this movie highly enough. Sometimes I love stuff for a kitsch or camp value or whatever, but this is a real horror film, not some formulaic vampire movie. It's using its horror to do something different and make a point. So great job, everybody. Catch Jacob's wife on Shutter now. Stay cool, Billy D. Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. You crossed my line of death. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. Nuka. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler. Welcome to the Midnight Meat Train. This is your conductor, DJ Meaty Boy. Hanging out with my homie, Drewster. Let's see them bloosters. Cogburn. Cogburn. That's my, uh, sort of like a Wolfman Jack sort of thing. Okay. But it's more like a uh, zombie guy, Chris. It's not very good. No? Should I keep working on it? I- I shall keep working on Zombie Man Chris. Uh, brains. For music is what I have. So listen to this week's Top 40 with Zombie Chris. On. I'm working on this part of the AM radio station okay. gig that we're doing. Gotcha. Got to have like a, it's called imaging. Drew. So we officially have the gig. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, guys, welcome back to the show. We're doing the thing. We're oh, man. Um, cinemacrespity so gmail.com uh, patreon.com slash crespity so get off Facebook uh, oh but we got a Facebook comment in our comment slash question thread and it's from Ron who uh, I think Ron has something to say so first off it's Bob Chepek I met him a couple times I'm not going to say anything contrary to your reporting but the name thing was getting to me <laughs> Because it's it's C H A P E K. How'd you say that? C H A. I would say Chapek. Chapek. No. That's what I was saying. Bob Chapek. No. Say it again. It's Chapek. 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 Bob Chapek. Thank you, Ron. That's very important for the news section coming up. So, Bob Chapek. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the correction. Thank you. Uh, saw the protege. <laughs> the chemistry between Maggie and Michael was great. 
busted out laughing many times. I wanted more. Yeah, you know what? If that if that movie does actually have anything going for it, it is the the little will they won't they between the two of them and their chemistry. Yeah. That that's that is uh, the thing that makes that movie work totally. Uh, also saw Reminiscence, and another female director examines nostalgia. It's an update version of my favorite movie, Strange Days. It's all I could think of, just noir and in Miami. Yeah, it's interesting because it's about getting into the replaying people's memories and living in the memories. I do like Reminiscence's twist on, like, you can't access a memory that doesn't exist. Yeah. That could cause problems. Blank. Um... You know what? To go back to reminiscence, I don't like the repetition of "you're going on a journey." <laughs> I hated that. Just follow my voice. Yeah, I got really tired of that whole narration aspect of it. But uh, I, I, that's an interesting parallel to Strange Days, bro. Uh, I didn't hate it, but that comparison tarnished the story. While the editing and the cinematography is superb and sublime, yeah. did you see the Westworld influence? Well, yeah, sure, hundred percent. It does feel Westworldy, and uh, then the casting and stuff. So I've also seen some interesting TV. Okay, what we got? Uh, fuck Kevin. Seen the first four episodes, and between the panel look of a comedy show is intriguing, and the echo of a community that the family can create is fascinating. Is there a comedy you wish you knew more of? Is there a comedy that I wish you knew more of? Like a sitcom? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, the Cosby Show? How did, they, how did they know what was going on in that basement doctor's office? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gynecologist, but I do it out of my own home. That's, <laughs> That's kind of weird. That is fucked up, Dr. Huxtable. Maybe you should have a practice in the office somewhere. Uh, no? Okay. Smigadoon? <laughs> Smigadoon. Uh, Schmig- yes, I've, I've heard of this. People are, people are enjoying this show. Okay. Uh, it's pretty diverse and wonderful. The music is great, and the comedy and message is pretty spot on. Okay. All right. So we'll add Ron to the people who like it list. Okay, uh, cool. Ted Lasso. Man, that's that Apple. The only thing that makes me wish I had Apple at the moment. It's the Apple all- Plus program thing. Uh, Ted Lasso is always good. I do wish some people of color did get the spotlight in the forefront, but the characters remain endearing and warm to watch. Fair. That's probably one of those things where you ask the producers about it. And like, yes, but it's about the English soccer league. The, <laughs> the, the best are all white men. And then you point out like all the, the black yeah. players and like, oh, yes, I forgot about them. I guess, yes, sure, sure, fine, fine, fine. Uh, Central Park, this animated musical is fun for what it is. I am still loving the talent that is in this show. Central Park? This I don't know. It's an apparently it's an animated musical. Okay, all right. I like animated, not too into musical, so I wouldn't check it out. True. No animated musical. No. So even if it's animated, you say no. No. No, thank you. I'm not a musical guy. No, thank you. No. But you like animated stuff. I do. I like movies, Chris, and I don't watch musicals. Ooh. Just because it's throw, animated throw, doesn't mean throw them back in my face. <laughs> throw them back in my fat face. Okay. Okay. Fair. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mr. Corman. Seen the first three, and it's millennial at a midlife crisis story. Not really bad, but I don't need to see it. I think this is that Elijah Wood show. He plays the titular Mr. Corman. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure if I'm if I'm getting that right. It's just interesting to see Elijah Wood out there doing stuff. He he doesn't work that often. Uh, the same can be said about White Lotus, but the pathetic nature of the characters entranced me to watch it all in one day. White people are the worst. Yeah. Uh. Uh. I know someone who watches and describes it as like it's almost like that cringe comedy where it's just like oh these people are like terrible people yeah. and you're watching that sort of thing, um, but people seem to like that one as well. Interesting, yeah, it's pretty well reviewed. The White Lotus, that's HBO, and that's another one where there's a season two coming, 
But it's they're doing an anthology style. Yeah. So new story, whatever. Probably another story of white people being terrible. Yeah. I'm all for stories about white people <laughs> being terrible. All for it. Uh, Star Trek Lower Deck is on season two, and it's classically funny. Yeah, it's another one where, um, like, Star Trek fans really like it. Yeah. You know, it, it sort of lampoons and parodies Star Trek, but in a way they do it because they... Because they love it. Yes. Yes. Not because they hate it. Yes. So they do it well, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bad Batch is over. I figured that would be up Drew's alley, but maybe he's not into the lore. Are you Star Wars over Star Trek? Interesting, Drew. Yeah. Rank, rank the stars. You got Wars, Trek, Gate, uh, uh, Search, and uh, Scream. Rate them. Starscream from Transformers. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, probably I'll go Star Wars, Starscream, <laughs> Star Trek. Okay. And then Gate. Stargate. And then Star Search. Star Search, definitely. Yeah, Star Search is not, not up my alley at all. Not an Egg Man fan? No. Ha ha! Yes. Um, that's I'm just really just doing Phil Hartman doing Egg Man. And even then, it's terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been meaning to watch the Bad Batch. Of, have you? Uh, well, apparently, it's like you know about like uh, I don't even know what it's about. Apparently it's about it's so it's about these <laughs> it's about the clones, some clones who like break off, okay. and the, and they just go off and do their own thing. They're almost like uh, uh, mercenaries. They, yes. Um, so this is Star Wars has always been a little. By design, a little too kitty for me. Especially when it's animated. Yeah. The rare is the Gendi Tarkovsky? Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky. Rare is the Tarkovsky Star Wars. Normally, it feels like this is really emphasizing how it's for kids. Um, So, I I even try watching. But it's HBO Max. Maybe it's for... No, it's Disney Plus. Okay. Maybe it's for teens. Um, which would be a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's sort of like watching a Superman or Batman show. But it's right? not for it. I mean, they'll never make a rated R Star Wars movie, but they really should. No, they won't. But uh, <laughs> but Mandalorian skews a little more. Like, you appreciate yeah. the Western influences and that oh, type of thing, I, right? I, Western influences, the samurai influences, right. what makes Star Wars great. Right, right. So then uh, when they just do an animated show... Then it's just like, nah, it's just a show for kids, no. you know, um, which is fine. I'm not saying it's a bad I mean, that's, thing. That's the bread and butter. When I was, that, that's what it is. That's what got me hooked on Star Wars when I was a kid. They're hooking <laughs> the kids now for the next trilogy that's going to come whenever it's going to come. You know, after they make the Rogue Squadron movie and well, Kevin the, Feige's developing a Star Wars movie. I mean, I'm sure they'll have to wait for like George to die before they make Star Wars. The blah blah blah. Yeah 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 yeah. Why? Why you got to wait for George to die? I don't know. It seems like he's like he's he's like I made Star Wars. Yeah, like, he's so out there. They're still talking <laughs> to him. Yeah. They got the Rogue Squadron movie. They got the Kevin Feige Marvel movie, and they got the Taika Waititi Star Wars movie, all like in the in the pipeline. All unconnected though. They're just yeah. doing their own Star Wars stories. A Star Wars story. Many Saints of Newark. A Star Wars. Story. <laughs> when, when the trailer said a Soprano the, story, the, the, the Many Saints of Tatooine. Yes, <laughs> the Many Wars. Saints of Tatooine. Oh my god, a Star Wars movie. <laughs> when it said a Many Saints. When it said a, a Soprano story, and yeah. then they even played the boom, Sopranos boom, theme boom. song. Like, oh my god, it's so corny. Yeah, it made me want to watch the movie less. Less it did. Made me want to watch less. <laughs> I was like all on board for the trailer, and then they did that, and I was like, oh, it's corny. <laughs> 
Um, thanks, Ron. We appreciate the comment and all the all the the catch up on TV stuff. That's super cool. So, real quick, rest in peace, Sonny Chiba. Uh, passed away from uh, pneumonia due to COVID nineteen complications. However, you want to chalk it up. If you're like a COVID weirdo, you you'd be like, actually, he died from pneumonia. Um, Sonny Chiba, man, we talking about the Street Fighter return of Street Fighter. Remember in True Romance when Christian Slater's like, I want to take you to three. Actually, I want to take you to three kung fu movies. He's, he wants to take that. He wants to take uh, the hooker lady, not the hooker lady, but that lady to Sonny Chiba movies. <laughs> and then he is in Kill Bill. He's Hattori Hanzo. He makes the the sword. Um, eighty two years old. He got COVID and passed away from pneumonia. That sucks, man. Yeah, real bummer. So Sonny Chiba, rest in peace, buddy. Uh, the the Street Fighter is available right now on Tubi. So if you're going to sit through some commercials and you want to see why this guy was like a thing to begin with, <laughs> check out the street fighter. It's a cool movie. I got on DVD right back there. Um, all right, here's, so that's the rest in peace segment. Don't do it too often. Here's a, here's a new segment. It's called no one likes Bob Chepik. 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 I already forgot. Chepik. Chepik. Yeah. This segment's called no one likes Bob Chepik, except for Ron who apparently met him and he was nice to him. So it's cool that like, He's nice at underlings <laughs> to us, to us underlings. That's cool, Ron. I appreciate that. But you know what? This happened. It was pretty funny where um, they had a, you know, one of them shareholder conf- uh, phone calls or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Bob Chepik was talking about um, release strategies for movies, streaming versus theaters, etc., etc. And that call is when he revealed that Free Guy couldn't be sold off the streaming. It had in the contract or whatever, there was deals in there in place for, or it, it had to be theatrical. Um, and then when it came to Shang-Chi, he was like, well, you know, Shang-Chi, it, it's uh, it was already a plan for it to go straight to theaters without any sort of um, streaming same day add on type thing. Like, like we do with black widow. Mm-hmm. Cause black widow got the $30 um, extra access yeah. there, premier access. And so he said, shang going straight to theaters. It's t- literally too late for us to um, change gears on that anyway, even if we wanted to because of the Delta surge. So we're just going to do it. And then he called it um, this whole release strategy with figuring out what's going to come out when and how. He called it an experiment. Um, he's just like, Sean, it's just we're experimenting with, with our release strategies. Simu Liu, star of Shang Chi, mm-hmm. he heard the word experiment, yeah. and he was like, he was like, uh, uh-uh. he went to Twitter, and he was like, we are not an experiment. He got mad, he got mad, mad, and, and right away I was like, I feel like you're misinterpreting, misinterpreting, misinterpreting. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an interpreter. In case you know, for the UN, they hired me as an interpreter. He misinterpreted Bob Chepik's mis like experimental quote. I think he was referencing like the idea of trying to figure out a release strategy during a pandemic or an endemic, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, that was the experiment, not the fact that it's a movie made by like Asian Americans and primarily featuring Asians. You know, Simu Leo though saw the word experiment, and I think he 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 felt otherized. You know what I mean? Um, so he was like, just went to Twitter. He's like, "Fuck you!" And then Kevin Feige had to come out. And he did this whole thing where it's like, no, it's cool. No, we're all good. I talked to everyone. He had to like put out all these fires. Well, you know who hates this whole thing with the Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson, the lawsuit? You know who hates all this who, the most? Who's that? Who? Kevin Feige. 
Really? The fucking Marvel architect yeah. who put all this shit together. He was <clears> always, <throat> apparently, from what I've read online, always against Marvel movies being put on Disney Plus at the same time. He did not want that happen to Black Widow. He didn't want to happen to Anything. none of the Marvel movies. He wanted it to be theaters only. We have series for that. Yes. <laughs> he was like against <laughs> it. And then uh, they obviously didn't listen to him and did with Black Widow anyway. And then they now, wouldn't. Now, now there's a lawsuit. Now there's a lawsuit. All this fallout. He is so fucking angry. He is so mad. Um, And like of the last I don't know, five or six years, if anyone has like any clout to be like, I know what I'm talking about. I know how to handle talent and, and a massive fucking IP. It's gotta be this dude, Kevin Feige, man. You yeah. gotta, gotta respect this dude's hustle. Um, and he even did this whole, did I pull this? This may be a later story, but he even did this whole, uh, Q and a with, um, on social media in China. And, because apparently Shang-Chi is having a little bit of a, a pop culture struggle in China. Oh, really? Yeah, they're not... Just because... They're, just because it's Shang-Chi doesn't mean they're like, whoa, we're into this. Just because Hollywood makes something Chinese doesn't mean China's going to be like, oh, yeah, thank you so much. Oh, we're, we're so corny. No, they're like, what is this? They're, they're trying to give it the sniff test. Yeah. Um, so he did this whole Q&A where people asked him questions and he responded. There was a lot of stuff about like cultural representation in terms of um, uh, the character Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu came up a lot, apparently. And he had to keep telling them over and over, no, Fu Manchu, while it is the old Marvel character, we don't own that character now. We have no plans to use it. You will never see Fu Manchu in a Marvel thing ever. Uh, He hit that really hard. And then, like, after he did this whole Q&A thing, answered all their questions, they had a lot of, uh, a lot of the feedback was a lot of people who in China, their service is called Weibo, W-E-I-B-O. It's like their Twitter, Weibo. A lot of people were like, I, w- I really wasn't sure. I was on the fence about seeing Shang-Chi before, but after seeing this q and I'm on board now. And uh, apparently Feige came across as um, sincere and um, non-dodgy. He never tried to like dodge a question. Whenever someone threw some cultural shit in his face, he was like, nah, here's my answer, bro. I respect that. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, we'll see if the movie's any good. The oh, you know what I saw at Target? I was at Target the other day, and the in the uh, I took a sh- quick stroll through the toy section. The Shang Chi, the rings, the five mm-hmm. rings, you, but but it's the a, ten as, rings. Well, because it's five per arm. Yeah. So it's five rings together as like sort of like a bracelet gauntlet thing that you can wear, and then it has like a disc launcher at the top, so you can, <laughs> you can shoot out this. And then obviously they only sell one at a time. Yeah. Ain't no so way. Ain't no way you're going to buy your kid one, only half with the 10 rings, right? They got to buy them two sets of 10 rings. Shooting this at the cats. Um, that sounds like fun. So Kevin Feige had to put out that flare up. Also, um, remember that rumor about Emma Stone being like, maybe she's going to sue Disney also for her Cruella release oh. and her losing money on Cruella. Okay. That was like in the cards after Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit. Um, instead of a lawsuit, how about a... Cruella 2 being announced. Okay, well, I guess she's getting a second movie. Uh, uh, Yeah, instead, not only is she getting a second movie, they worked out um, streaming money. So she's getting a cut of streaming as well. So whatever it makes on Disney Plus, if if there's... Part of it goes to her. If there's that that gate, she's getting part of that gate. Um, And then the word on the street is that this is a temporary solution. Uh, Bob Chepik, 
is not happy about having to do this, and this will not be the deal going forward with movies. But they're they just like you're trying to salvage your image now, and Emma Stone's taking advantage of it. And goddamn, good for her, lady. Good for her. Good for your agent and your manager getting them five ten percent cuts. Your attorney another ten percent cut. Um, so I think that's hysterical. So no one likes Bob Chepik. <laughs> Poor guy. Bob Iger, man, that guy hates Bob Chepik. The 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 CEO leaving. Um that's why a lot of people are like, How come he hasn't stepped in to help? Because he's like, Oh, I want to watch him burn. I want to watch him go down. <laughs> that fucking loser. Let's talk about some show business, Juicy Cogburn. Um Denis Villeneuve said watching Dune at home would be like driving a speedboat in a bathtub. I kinda got it with Yeah, me. I get it. And uh and that sparked, you know, like anything, you say something online, it sparks a debate. So what's the debate about the importance of movies? James Gunn came down on the side of, hey, movies live on in TV. You know, sure, you have movies come out in theaters, but most people end up watching them on TV or revisit them on TV. That's how they end up living. If it wasn't for movies on TV, you know, they, they'd be dead shortly after they came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is obviously truth to that as well <laughs> but then other people are like, yeah but like i grew up who was it i don't know who said specifically i'm not clicking on the link but someone was like i grew up in a rural area where theaters weren't a really available thing so going to a movie theater to see a movie in a theater it's like going to church it was a special event you know so there is some something to going to the movie theater yeah. and um i uh i just i just want to go see dune on the imax you want to go see dune on the imax yeah. all right we'll go see dune. <laughs> I, I just wanted to ask you if okay, you want to see dune yeah. on the IMAX. of course all right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, yeah, people are like, I'll just watch it at home. I'll just sit closer to my TV. No. Well, I mean, that, like, the same logic is like, okay, I'll just watch it on my phone, but I'll hold, yeah. my, I'll hold my phone up to my eyes, like, my I'll, face like, like this. I watched Reminiscence at home because like, I saw the trailers and I was like, you know what? Wasn't like, that interesting. I don't think. Not, not that. If I had the choice. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Dune? Like, no, I'm going to go see that shit in fucking theater. Same thing like I did Suicide yeah. Squad. Like, I could have watched Suicide Squad Three days before I actually saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even thought about it. I was like, should I just go ahead and watch it? You know what? No, I'll wait and see the theater. And it was worth it. It was oh. worth seeing Starro in a goddamn big screen. It's going to be worth seeing a dude on the, on a big screen. Um, Yeah, just hold your... If, I'll just hold my tablet up to my face. Two inches to my face. And then with I'll put in the earbuds, right? Does that replicate the theater experience? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll sit under a blanket in my room with the lights off. Maybe that'll help a little bit. Hotel Transylvania 4, skipping theaters, sold uh, or being sold to Amazon by Sony for $100 million. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to come out in theaters this uh, like Halloween season, but now Sony late in the game, probably because of the goddamn Delta shit. Like We need to, we need to try to just save some of our money on this one. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't aware of this. Adam Sandler not involved in this fourth one. Interesting. Why not? It takes a couple of days in a recording booth. Just record your shit, Adam Sandler. They probably didn't want to pay him. That's what was going on. But these movies are successful. And there's a fourth one. And Amazon's probably going to get it. Fucking Gendy Tarkovsky. Goddamn Gendy Tarkovsky, <laughs> man. Making that cash money. Yeah, so he, hopefully, maybe he'll make a season two of uh, Primal. That Actually, I think that is happening. Yes. That is happening. <laughs> so I need to watch season one because season two is happening. A caveman and his dinosaur. Yeah, that's happening. Uh, Fast and Furious 10 comes out April 2023, which means since they're doing them back to back, Fast and Furious 10 Part 2, April 2024. 
Um, which then should be the end of this particular saga. They ain't going to stop making these movies, though. No. Um, I'm actually going to click on this link so I can show this to you real quick. Juice Cogburn. Uh, we talked about this maybe a couple months ago. The geezer teasers. These movies with people like Bruce Willis and you know these old actors who show up and do one day of shooting. And they're on the poster and they're barely in the movie. Exactly. Um, and the reason I mentioned Bruce Willis is because he's like prime suspect number one for this super lazy style of movie making and very cynical style of movie making, right? Uh, Bruce Willis has achieved a whole new level of lazy cashing in tomfoolery. Okay. You ready for this one? Sure. Um, let me see. I just have play on that. Get, get this out. I want, I want you to actually see this. <laughs> I want you to see this. Um, our boy, Bruce Willie, has gone ahead and provided his, not his actual work, but his likeness. Okay. To a commercial. Okay. A Russian commercial. Okay. For a cell phone service. Uh-huh. Uh, all the pop-up ads are terrible, but you can see there. He's on a, he's on a yacht, tied to a yacht. Is that him? Is that him is a great question. I don't think it is. I think I think it's face swap. Aha. Hey, also he doesn't, he doesn't speak. The uh, the Russian guy that's all speaking. Oh, does he? They're like trying to set off a defuse a bomb or something, but there's a phone call trying to talk to his daughter. Bruce Willis is just sitting there bald, looking weird. Yeah, that is not Bruce Willis. Because it is a deep fake. Bruce Willis deep fake. He went ahead and, and uh, gave this company his permission. To deep fake him. To deep fake him. They said, I don't even want to show to do your fucking commercial. Just deep fake me into your commercial and then pay me for that. That is a whole new brilliant level of laziness. Wow, yeah. I mean, in this day and age, now apparently it can be done. So <laughs> now, now you can be in a movie... And not even be in the movie. Not even be in the damn movie. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Not even do any of the work and still get paid. That's crazy. For your likeness. Uh, episode 451 forward, our episodes will all be deep faked. We've said enough words. I mean, now. if you want it, I mean, right over 450 episodes, we've, I think we've said every I mean, word I mean, in the Chris, dictionary. If, if you wanted to be super cynical, you could probably go on. What's the, uh, what's that? What's the computer program or the, the website where the famous people say silly things for you? Cameo. Cameo. You could probably go in there and have anybody you want say, welcome to Cinema Chris Bautista. Oh, that's true. <laughs> for, like, for, whatever, for whatever dollar amount. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Want them to say their name though. This you are. This is uh, Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah. And, and this costs forty five dollars. I want them to say the cost <laughs> and how much they cost. Yeah. And Chris Crespo paid me seventy dollars to say welcome to cinema. Yeah. Crespo Crespo Disso. Did I get this right? Yeah, you can. You should have put a, a pronunciation key in, in here, and then it hangs up. I'm like man, that was seventy dollars. Not well spent. Yeah, you could do that if you I, wanted to, Chris. I, I'll get one. My first one will be from Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> He, he really needs that money. He right needs now. that money bad. Dominion is suing his ass, man. Seventy dollars a video. He'll he, do it. He needs lawyers. He, he's also cheap as fuck because he's a piece of shit. Yeah, I'll get Rudy Giuliani to do it. Um, Black Panther two will introduce the character Riri, uh, Riri something or other. Oh, who is the what? With Ironheart. 
Okay. That that young black girl who gets the Iron Man type suit. Yeah. They had already announced an Ironheart series mm-hmm. for Marvel Plus. Uh, but apparently Kevin Feige went ahead and put out there that uh, she will be introducing Black Panther Wakanda forever. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, in case you can't tell, we're now in the comic book section of the show business news, such as the fact that Captain America 4 officially, officially announced with Anthony Mackie. Like they, they signed on the line that is dotted. It is happening. Okay. It's happening. You into it? You ready for it? I mean, I guess. Captain America's always been one of my least favorite characters anyway. So now he's switching up with Anthony Mackie. Now he's got, I, I'm, now I'm, a black dude with mechanized wings. I was about to say, I'm okay with a black guy who's a, the more American Eagle Captain America. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I even think about that. He's straight up American Eagle Captain America. Uh, fly, <laughs> flying around. The American Eagle. He used to be the Falcon, but now he is yeah. the Eagle. Uh, he better call at least one time while he's out there. <laughs> <laughs> Freedom! Like, did that dude just call? Um. So, yeah, I'll watch it. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah, at this point, I'll watch whatever they make anyway. Um, Which may include a Secret Wars movie. I'll watch that. This is interesting. Uh, it's just interesting how this information got out. First off, it was at MegCon Orlando. Okay. Oh, shit. Right here. Yeah. Right up the road. Um, This guy, Jim Shooter, he was doing a panel appearance. Um, and he said that he got a call from an executive from the, quote, property management area of Marvel. And they offered him the job of writing a Secret Wars novelization. And then they gave him, like, a very shitty job offer. And he told him to go fuck himself. Go fuck himself. This is a terrible offer. Um, then he got a call from the Z- senior vice president of operations. Uh, who apparently he heard about the shitty offer and was like, no, no, that was not that was not supposed to be the offer. We feel bad. This is the real offer for you to write Secret Wars. We want you to do this. So he he took it. Um, ten thousand dollars. As a matter of fact, how much it says here. Uh, and then he asked the guy, the senior VP. He asked this guy. So here's the quote. He says, "So anyways, I signed the work for hire. I was talking to him and I said, this means you're making a movie, right? Because it's a novelization." And he said, well, I'm not allowed to tell you that. So I said, I think you just did. <laughs> and he said, well, you have to have a clean chain of title. And that's true. Hollywood is very risk averse these days. It used to be that somebody would make a movie and immediately someone would sue them saying, well, I mentioned that to someone at your company at a party a million years ago. So they want an absolutely bulletproof chain of title before they develop a movie. So when I signed that, they had an absolutely bulletproof chain of title. And I have a couple of friends in Hollywood that told me that they've done some development on it. So this guy spilling the beans here at Megacon Orlando, a Secret Wars movie is being made. There's already the Secret Invasion show. Mm-hmm. But this is a little different Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting how... It's all coming together. How, and then how he had that information. Yeah. He's like, so you're making a movie. He's like, nah. I'm not allowed to tell you that. <laughs> that means he, he just did then, buddy. He totally just told me. Um, let's talk a little DC stuff. Michael Keaton talking about getting to play Batman again in um, The Flash. Mm-hmm. In the Flashpoint movie. Uh, he has actually a couple of interesting quotes in here as to why he even did it. Right? Because when Bat... Uh, apparently the story is... I mean, think about it. 1989, when he signs up for Batman, there's really no precedent for it being taken seriously. No. For it being like, oh, he's doing the actor's work. You know, it's, no. um, you know, Batman doesn't have the same cachet 
then as Batman does now all these years later. Partially because of what Michael Keaton did with it, with Tim Burton, right? No. Um, but, you know, he so he took the attitude of, like, it's a job, it pays well, it's paying for my real estate deals that I'm doing at the time. Um, the story, the apocryphal story, is that George Clooney, when he got Batman, he saw Michael Keaton, and he was like, hey, man, like, I'm, I did it, I'm part of the club, I did it, it's like you and me, dude. And Michael Clooney was like, I have no idea what the fuck this guy's talking about. <laughs> and then later, it's like, oh... They told him, like, oh, he's called, he's Batman now. And he's like, oh, that's what he was all excited about? Because George Clooney is, like, yeah. such an industry guy, and Michael Keaton doesn't give a fuck. He's like, he was all excited about Batman? Like, that's what he's talking about, the club? Um, but that was, like, in the 90s, right? Oh. That's 20 years ago. That's three Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale movies ago. I say, that's before, he did Birdman. Come on. God damn. <laughs> yes, it's come around, right? We see that he's come around. Um, so here's some of his quotes. He says, frankly... In the back of my head, I always thought, I bet I could go back and nail that motherfucker. And so I thought, well, now that they're asking me, let me see if I can pull that off. So I find that interesting that he was like, I could could still do a Batman. I could probably kill that fucking shit. Um, And his other quote here is, what's really interesting is how much more I got Batman when I went back and did him. I get this on a whole other level now. I totally respect it. See, this is before he didn't respect it the same way. I respect what people are trying to make. I never looked at it like, oh, this is just a silly thing. It was not a silly thing when I did Batman, but it has become a giant thing culturally. It's iconic. So I have even more respect for it because what do I know? This is a big deal in the world to people. You've got to honor that and be respectful of that. Even I go, Jesus, this is huge. So uh, I'm looking forward to this fucking Flash movie. They got me. They got me on board, man. They got Michael Keaton. They got Ben Affleck. They got, uh, 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 who gives a shit what else they got? That's all. What else you need? <laughs> they got, they got two Batman. They got two Batman. They got the best one and the worst one. He's not the worst one. Fucking, we've seen Val. I mean, we'll yeah. talk, we'll get a closer look soon, but that George Clooney performance is pretty, it's just, he's just kind of there. It's pretty nothing. But I mean, I, I mean, after you watch Val, you'll understand why Val Kilmer's performance was the way it was. Oh yeah. No, that one. Had a <laughs> yeah. Val. He literally couldn't hear anything. That's he's deaf. And then when Christian Bale hit up George Clooney, it's like any any advice on Batman. George Clooney was like, "Make sure you put a zipper on that suit, so you can fucking pee." No. Yeah. yeah I'll just I'll just pee in the suit. I'll just pee in the suit, mate. <laughs> okay. I, I go method. I go method. Would would, How, would Batman have a zipper? <laughs> would, ba- would Batman just whip it out and pee in an alley? I don't think so, mate. Actually, probably would. Actually, <laughs> I blame it on the I blame it on the homeless. That's what I do. I wonder if he shits like a bat too, just drops a deuce wherever. <laughs> He's like flying across the city and just drop. <laughs> yeah, he drops it in motion. I gotta spread my scent <laughs> so the criminals know I'm here <laughs> and they can stay away. Sir, I, I saw you on the on the drone camera. You should really take it. No, Alfred, and order some extra baked beans tonight. <laughs> I'm going back out in the morning. If you if you insist, Master Wayne. Yeah, gotta get that Batman while. <laughs> gotta get it out there. <laughs> I'm surprised you just didn't just like, like shit shit in the back like the Bat Cave. <laughs> just, just got shit like everywhere. Yeah, he's just got like a nice layer oh, of, shit. of but, guano. But he's oh, but, Batman guano. He calls but, it guano because he's fucking gone in the head. So <laughs> don't touch that, Alfred. 
It's my guano. Sir, you need to. You really need to clean this up. Sir. I'm going to use it to fertilize the plants. No, sir. That's not. That's not how this works. That's human waste. So, but I'm Batman. <laughs> if you insist. And then you see Alfred with like a white spray paint spraying them. That's right. Make the guano look. Make it look like guano. And are the baked beans here yet, Alfred? <laughs> Order me some baked beans. Um. There's an Italian director called Mario Bava. Mario Bava did a lot of stuff in the 60s and 70s. These are very, uh, very colorful, crazy movies, big costumes, genre stuff. Um, apparently, James Wan, who was making Aquaman 2, revealed that the Mario Bava movie Planet of the Vampires is a big influence on Aquaman 2. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, Aquaman and the Lost City of Atlantis or somewhere, Lost Kingdom or some whatever they're calling it. Um, that apparently it's like sort. Of, I, I'm expecting underwater vampires, straight up. I mean, maybe, perhaps. It's very possible. And then he referenced Aqu- uh, James Wan referenced the trench sequence in in Aquaman, how that was like unexpected because he's he's bringing that otherworldly horror stuff to it. And in his interview, he's like, Aquaman, the book already has a lot of that stuff in there. It leans horror. So now that I've gotten people sort of used to that with the first movie, now with the second one, I can get more into the crazy monster stuff with the, with the Aquaman universe. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing the... Aqua horror. Yeah. How else are you going to make me interested in the stupid fucking character? <laughs> Talks to fish. <coughs> I heard you talk to fish. Thanks, uh fucking what's his name brown coat Joss Whedon um Dave Bautista wants to do a movie with Jason Momoa he put out a tweet where he was like just putting this out there in the atmosphere people say usually in the universe yeah. he said atmosphere he's Dave Bautista he could, he could crush my face so he can say whatever <laughs> the fuck he wants uh, but he put out a tweet that um, he wants to do a lethal weapon type buddy cop comedy with Jason Momoa and he wants to direct it by David Leach Okay. And he's like, that's it. That's what I want. And that tweet got some traction, dude. <laughs> like, he tweets a lot. Yeah. Dave Bautista tweets a lot. That one oh, got for fun. some reason. That one got traction. People are on board for this idea to the point where I'm like, don't be surprised if to see happens. an announcement where yeah. they're like, uh, someone's, uh, at the very least this week, someone's taking a meeting. Someone's taking a Zoom call. They're calling, hey, Leech, you got time? You want to? <laughs> this is something well, you have. What? what, what what are you next free? Right. <laughs> what do you have in the hopper that he can put Bautista and Momoa in together? And then he know Jason Momoa. He's like, yeah, bro. He's on board for whatever. Of course. He's such a bro, dude. He's like, yeah, come on, man. I'm from Hawaii. Let's do it. Uh, so I'm on board for that. That sounds fun. Um, Adam Sandler. He's been making all these Netflix movies now for s- seven, eight years. And uh, he signed a massive deal with them. He re-signed a deal a couple years ago. Um I find this interesting now that after all these years and all these movies, he's making his first sequel to one of those Netflix movies. And it's the murder mystery movie he did with Jennifer Aniston. Okay. So they're doing Apparently a murder. that was popular. It was very popular. Of all the movies he did, that one seemed to hit the hardest with people. So he's doing a murder mystery too. Netflix is on board. And uh, shit, man, good for, good for him for being like, I'm just leaving the whole theater business anyway, and I'm making all this money over here on Netflix making bullshit movies. I mean, I mean he's just doing the same thing with theaters. It was probably just costing him way much more, way more money to do it that way. He's making more money this way now. He's just getting stuff off the top as opposed to waiting for box office receipts and all that as a producer. Shit. Shit. Good for him. Speaking of which, Netflix, it, it was revealed. So they produced 
the latest Adam McKay movie. Who um, so coming off of Vice, he's now making a movie about. Um, uh, I think it's sort of an environmental. I, do I have the information here? What it's about? It's called Don't Look Up, and it stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, those those are that's some star power. Those are some two big ticket items for your goddamn Adam McKay movie. Um, we got there. Uh, it's a sci-fi black comedy. Oh yeah, it's about I think an asteroid's coming to like wipe out the Earth or something. So they're going around trying to get information. These two. Um, Netflix paid DiCaprio thirty million dollars and Jennifer Lawrence twenty-five million. That's a damn. That's a goddamn lot of money. Fifty-five million dollars just for your actors. Now you gotta. Now you gotta make a sci-fi movie about an asteroid coming. Can I get some of that fifty-five million? No, <laughs> that's been paid. That's gone. <laughs> we need like another sixty million to make this goddamn thing. Are you kidding me? That's how. That's how these. Um, some of these budgets get so crazy. You know. Um. Oh, this is interesting. Um, Will Smith and Denzel Washington each got paid $40 million for King Richard and The Little Things. Damn, that's a lot of money. $40 million for The Little Things? Movie's terrible. That's why Denzel put on that weight. He's like, I gotta gotta do something for this. (laughs) I gotta make them feel like they're getting their money's worth. Um, Ryan Gosling got paid $20 million for the Netflix movie The Gray Man, which is um, the Russo Brothers action movie that they're doing. Jesus. And then put that into some perspective. This is interesting. Robert Pattinson for the Batman. Three million. Hey, what? Yeah, because it's probably the argument like, well, it's sort of untested. We don't know if this is going to work out. What if this movie sort of flops? No one wants to see the Batman 2. Yeah. You know, so and then he gets the money on the sequels. Three million dollars for the Batman. Still. When you talk about those other figures, it's like, that feels so small. It does, but still. Three million dollars is a silly amount of money that's a shit ton of money <laughs> man a shit ton of money so this don't look up movie uh, apparently has a budget around 75 million I can't believe that Caprio and Lawrence took 55 of that so it's a 25 million dollar movie there must be, yeah, there must be <laughs> that budget must be out of out of date um, and also I don't think there's a release date for it exactly just yet but don't look up coming soon um, let's get into some cancel culture stuff real quick. Johnny Depp says Hollywood is boycotting them. Uh, he did a interview. He has this movie called Mini Mata, where it, apparently it, it already played in festivals and it got great reviews. It's some of his best work of his career. He plays a photographer, a real life person okay. who, uh, photographed people who are being, uh, inflicted with like mercury poisoning because of some bullshit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he helped like bust that story out. And, um, Apparently it's a good movie, but no U.S. distributor wants to touch it, especially because he lost that libel case yeah. against the son where a English court found that, oh, yeah, the son called you a wife beater, and that's because we have pro- probable evidence here to say that they were correct. You are a wife beater. You're an abuser of women. Mm-hmm. Um, right after that happened, he got dropped from Fantastic Beasts and all this stuff, and his career went into shitter. He also has a defamation suit against Amber Heard where he just won like an appeal or whatever or um, not an appeal, but like some sort of motion for it to be dismissed. He won that for it oh. to not be dismissed. Okay. And um, so his defamation suit against Amber Heard is going forward in America in like Virginia or some shit. 
Um, they're both they both end up being very bad people. Yeah. Heard and depth. They're just a toxic relationship brought the worst of each other. It's bad. And it's still continuing. And it's still continuing to this day as these cases continue. But it is interesting that Depp is essentially uh quote canceled. He's suffering the consequences of his actions, right? Yeah. I mean Warner Brothers waited for the libel case to if the if that libel court that case, if they found for him and were like, No, the son is wrong. Uh, and now they owe Depp damages, he'd be in Fantastic Beasts yeah. 2 or 3 or whatever, and he'd be in all these things. <clears throat> so they waited. They There was an actual... A pause. Yes, there was like an actual... They waited. Anyway. Um, so he's all mad about that. He's He's been canceled. He's mad about being canceled. You know who got canceled before you even get started? Uh, this guy, Mike Richards, who he's the producer of Jeopardy. And oh then, yeah, and then they did the whole thing. We're like, okay, let's do this whole all these celebrities, this audition process, and I'm, now I'm the host of Jeopardy. Now, uh-huh. now I'm gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, but wait, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, apparently he's a piece <laughs> of shit. This dude, he's a piece of shit. He was a producer on Price is Right, and he did a podcast, of course, like a behind the scenes podcast. There were 41 episodes of the show up, uh, so you couldn't even stick to it, that loser. And um, on, he kept like talking shit about women and their appearances and stuff on the show. Just, just being a really gross dirt bag. And then when whoever was doing the investigate, the, the investigating, whenever they contacted him about it, like, Hey, what about these comments you said in their podcast? He didn't respond. And then within an hour, all the episodes were pulled off the, the internet. Oh. And yeah. they're like, oh, so that's your response. Just, just get the shit off the internet. And then in the article, they're like, oh, you can just use the internet way back machine though to pull up here's the, the archive and here are the episodes and here are all the terrible things that he said. Um, so he stepped down. He's not he's not the host anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's just uh, Blossom. My Bialik? My, my yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about some reverse cancel culture, Drew Cogburn? Okay. You ready some, for this? Somebody come back? Reno 911. Has been uncanceled? Uncanceled. Okay. Uh, they had that little Quibi season where it's the ten. They did the ten episodes, ten minute episodes for yeah. Quibi. Quibi itself canceled for being bad, a bad service and a bad idea. Roku buys Quibi content. They're putting the Reno nine one one stuff out there. They must have internal metrics to show them that people are clicking on it because mm-hmm. then they announced that they're going to do a season eight of Reno nine one one. And they're going to restore it back to full, like, 20, 30-minute episodes. Yeah. Um, so Reno 911 is back. is back, baby, as a Roku series now. Interesting. That's a, that's, a, that's like a third life for it. Yeah, like maybe fourth? Yeah, Comedy Central, <laughs> Quibi. Was it on CISO? Do you remember CISO? Well, because they, they made the movie, and the movie didn't do well. Oh, yeah, the movie, yes, when they went to Miami. Yeah. I love that they went to, like, they left wherever. Yeah. They left Reno. Uh-huh. That's very funny. It's Reno 911 Miami. That's a good joke. <laughs> That's a good joke. Um, okay, Drew, get over get over there on the casting couch real quick. Not going to happen. Have to, <laughs> you got to talk some casting stuff. Um, this is very funny how Oscar Isaac got Ethan Hawke to do Moon Knight. Okay. All right. Um, this, sometimes this is just how it works. This Here's Ethan Hawke. He was on the Seth Meyers show. He said... Um, I heard about it from Oscar Isaac, who lives like three blocks down the street from me in Brooklyn. I was at a coffee shop. He came up to me. And he's like, hey, I really liked The Good Lord Bird. That's that um, that abolitionist show, that uh, that John Brown show Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke did. Uh, 
I was like, hey, cool. I really like your work. You're amazing. And he's like, hey, you want to be in Moon Knight with me? And I was like, yeah. And it was done. Just like that. Just like that. Um, so, uh, it's interesting that he is doing a, a Marvel show because, as this article points out, back in August 2018, he thought that superhero movies were overly praised by critics, and the example he used was the fresh, at the time, Logan, which he said, which he used that as the overpraised example. And his quote was, Now we have the problem that they tell us Logan is a great movie. Well, it's a great superhero movie. It still involves people in tights with metal coming out of their hands. It's not Bresson. It's not Bergman. But they talk about it like it is. And I see what he's saying. Uh, I mean, Logan's a tough... Lo- Logan's the closest thing you might ever get to that. that. That's the thing. <laughs> like, like, you're really throwing throwing barbs when you're picking Logan to, to shit on. Yeah. If he was like, I mean, if you want Avengers sh- Endgame is, uh, then you're like, or yeah, sure. It's, fa- fanta- it's three hours of um, the Fantastic Four series. Like, if you want to shit on a f- superhero movie, come on, guys. I mean, that's just low hanging fruit. That's the easiest thing to shit on. I mean, it's already there on the ground. So I got to do is squat over it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's interesting that now a couple years later he's doing a Marvel show. One of the more weird ones at that, and Moon Knight, the guy who may be affected by an ancient Egyptian god, making him a mercenary, or maybe he's just crazy, I don't know. One or the other. One or the other, it doesn't matter, it's Oscar Isaac. I... Let's update the world of Wes Anderson. Uh, I, I have not really been keeping up with this for the last few weeks on the show, because every other day there's just another announcement, but here we go. We have a cast for Wes Anderson's newest movie. They just added Scarlett Johansson. Tom Hanks was already reported as having a cameo. Margot Robbie is making her Wes Anderson debut. Uh, let's see what else we got here. This should be... I was expecting there to I mean, be... We're still waiting for the French Dispatch to come out. <laughs> yeah, for real, which also has its own crazy cast. All right, here we go. Here's the rest of the cast. We got Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, Adrian Brody, Jason Schwartzman. Um, Rupert, friend, friend, friend. He's from Homeland and Hitman, Agent 47. Apparently, he's also in uh, French Dispatch. Okay. He's putting together another crazy cast for his next movie, whatever the fuck it is. And oh my God, we are so over time here. I want to really go over these stories. So, apparently, Sylvester Sloan has had a number one movie six decades in a row. Crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely crazy. Sure. <clears throat> I mean, uh, 70s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Early 2000s, 2010s, and now 2020s, thanks to Suicide Squad. Yep. He's had a goddamn number one movie every decade. It's like sh- He's like the share of movies, man. Because Cher had a number one hit in like six decades yeah. in a row or something crazy like that. Um, so, Sylvester so Sloan, shit. I mean, I just he put that out there on uh, Instagram. Good for him. Um, I had this whole funny story about Carrie Underwood's, like her Twitter account, liked a tweet about uh, like an anti-mask tweet. And this whole point about how country singers say try to be apolitical in their shit, so when they do anything even remotely political, it gets blown up. It's a very, very funny story. I recommend people looking up online, Carrie Underwood anti-mask tweets. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. And then this whole thing about OnlyFans banning sexually explicit content in October. But, but who cares about that? No one really cares. I mean, the sex workers probably care. They care, but it's fine. OnlyFans showed them the model. Now you just got just build your own website. No. That's all. It Someone is. else has got to do it now. Build your own website. Build well, build your own gate. I mean, so, Make your own money. I mean, yeah, it's just it, it made it easier for everyone to find. Yes, Patreon makes it easier for us to have our bonus episodes. That's so, supposed to having to have a whole system. Yeah, they need like you know the yellow pages of porn. 
That used to be <laughs> that used to be like Backpage, yeah. but then the government seized that shit because <laughs> of sex trafficking, people trafficking. Um, I really want to do this. So, final segment of the show is uh, Barbara Streisand news. Ready for some Babs news or Babs sure. update? Um, she reiterated that Bradley Cooper's A Star Is Born remake was the wrong idea. Okay, and she said that the movie was fine. It was well made in what it was, but that it being the fourth remake of that story, the other three versions of the movie were all different from each other and that it was different styles of music. Um, and she was expecting the fourth one at one point, apparently it's being developed for Beyonce. So Barbara Streisand was like, yes, give me a hip hop version yeah. of a star is born. She, that's what she wanted. And then when she saw this movie, she was like, why you, you just redid what I do with Chris Christopherson. Like you just remade our version of it, which isn't even the definitive version of the Judy Garland version from the fifties is the definitive version mm-hmm. is what Barbara Streisand okay. said. Um, so she was all pissed off still about the stars born. So she says a big missed opportunity. And I just want to bring this up as an opportunity to talk about how Barbara Streisand has, um, a department store built out in her basement, like in her home. What? Yep. She does that. True. <laughs> she does that so that she can walk around shopping without being bothered by people. She can have the like shopping mall experience. So does she have employees that like work in her basement? I think she has people just hanging out there, like like, like straightening things w- up, waiting for there's some her, music wait, playing, waiting for her to purchase something, yeah. and then pretending that she's not her, that she's just a shopper. I think who was it? Marie Antoinette did something similar. I mean, that's very like reminiscence. It, it, reminiscence, yes, living in the past that doesn't exist. <laughs> I think Marie Antoinette did a thing where she had a uh, like a fake village set up a fake market that she could walk around and buy things and people wouldn't like harass her like oh shit whatever the lady um also Barbara Streisand uh clones her dogs did you know that okay good for her she clones her Bichon freezes okay um so they're the same ones over and over and over over and over like ten thousand dollars a pop something like that yeah and she has like 20 of them okay good for her she's got a bunch of dog clones god bless Barbara Streisand. That's some weird shit. That's some weird shit. She's a weird lady. She did Yentl. God damn it. <laughs> this is the Barbara Streisand Appreciation Hour. Um, Juice of thank you so much. You're welcome. You are welcome, listeners, for this week's show. We will be back next week with episode 451. Uh, that will be our first all horror episode in the format flip. <laughs> That's not happening. No. Bye bye, guys. A PFT Media Production.